This past week, the Bible was in the news once again as Israel celebrated its 70th birthday. No nation under heaven has had more reason to celebrate. The Jewish people have survived millennia of diaspora. They have survived persecutions from pagans, Christians, and Muslim nations. And they arose out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the pogroms of Russia, and the persecution in Islamic countries to become a nation once again. Now this is a direct fulfillment of the words of Jeremiah, as you read in chapter 30, verses 10 to 11. Therefore, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure, and I will not leave thee altogether unpunished." Well, over the past 70 years, Israel's population has increased. A consensus taken in May of 1948 put Israel's population at around 600,000 people. It has exploded to almost 9 million, with 75% being Jews. Over 600,000 live in the West Bank. This population explosion is again prophesied in the Bible, where we read in Jeremiah 31, verses 27 to 28, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of men and with the seed of beasts. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck them up, to break them down, to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, saith the Lord. So as Ecclesiastes puts it, the time to pluck up and pull down is over. The time to plant and build has come. Well, the 70th year celebrations featured a display of the reclamation of the barren land from deserts and swamps to an agricultural miracle we see today. This is also a direct fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Because we read in Amos chapter 9, verses 14 to 15, I will again bring the captivity of my people of Israel. And they shall build the waste cities, and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens, and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. And again, the prophet Jeremiah records in chapter 24, verse 6, I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Well, Israel's economy has also been blossoming. It rose from $2.5 billion in 1960 to approximately $387.4 billion in 2017. Its economic growth was ahead of the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Australia, France, Germany, and Russia in 2016, according to theglobaleconomy.com. Now, considering that Israel is only 70 years old, and yet is ahead of nations who have been in existence for centuries, and some for millennia, it is again miraculous. Well, once again, this is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, where Ezekiel describes in chapter 38, verse 12, Israel as a people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods, and dwell in the midst of the land. Well, while Israel may celebrate the pioneers and the personalities who work so hard to achieve the current status they enjoy, the reality is this is a miracle and the work of God's hands. As we read in Isaiah 60, verse 21, they shall inherit the land forever, 
the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Now, the growth and expansion of Israel into the West Bank and Jerusalem in 1967 has been a bone of contention with many since that time. The war itself was a miracle, fought in six days, with Israel resting on the seventh, and saw the biblical heartland of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria back in Jewish hands. This was also a fulfillment of the prophets, when God stated in Joel 3 verse 1, Behold, in those days and at that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. Well, with most nations celebrating an anniversary like this, it is customary not just to look at the achievements of the past, but also to look to the future. Now, with Israel, this is much easier to do. Most nations have plans and aspirations. Israel has a destiny, a destiny not chosen by itself, but by the creator of heaven and earth. Let us consider what's in store for Israel during the next few decades, standing on the shoulders of what has been accomplished and looking into the future. Well, these will be the headlines for the next few decades. Russia, Iran, and Europe to be decimated in Israel. Now, the recent missile attacks on Syria by France, Britain, and the United States have provoked the Russian bear. The whole world is bracing for a response. Israel's attack on the Iranian base has spawned a flurry of headlines regarding Iran's threats on Israel. However, while the media speculates on the present situation, the Bible is clear about future events. Russia, with a conglomeration of European nations, Iran, and others, will invade Israel as described in Ezekiel 38 and Daniel chapter 11, which we have discussed many times on the Bible in the news. Now let us not be confused about this. This attack will only be momentarily successful. Russia, Iran, and the other nations who join it will make their way to Jerusalem, where they will be destroyed as the Bible clearly predicts in Daniel 11 verse 45. He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Now, while the IDF has figured heavily in Israel's history and featured in their 70th year celebrations, this will not be one of their accomplishments. When these nations, along with the Vatican, move against Israel and the miraculous work God has been performing with them, they will be fighting against him and ultimately against his Messiah. And so we read in Daniel 8.25, He shall stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Their destruction will be the work of Almighty God, as Ezekiel 28 verses 21 to 23 describes. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and will rain upon him and upon his bands, and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord." So whereas these nations came to institute Catholic worship in Jerusalem, on the Temple Mount, planting the tabernacles of his palace in the Holy Mountain, they will be obliterated and a new age will begin for Israel and the world. Another world headline will be Restoration of the Monarchy in Israel. Now, the future of Israel will be an exciting one. It will not be ruled by politicians through the Knesset. Rather, the Davidic monarchy will be restored to the city. 
Yes, it was God who used the Babylonians to remove the monarchy from Judah in the reign of the wicked king Zedekiah, as we read in Ezekiel 21 verses 25 to 27. Thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come, when iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem, take off the crown, this shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, and abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him. In this very moment that God decreed the removal of Judah's monarchy, he also protected its return. When he says, when he comes whose right it is, I will give it him. Now this is in keeping with the promise that was originally given to David when he stated of David's future son, he shall build and house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son, and thine house and thine kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. In 2 Samuel 7 verses 13 to 16. Well, this is reiterated by Jeremiah of the future age in Jeremiah 33, verse 15, where he says, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up in David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Now, if there was any notion of Israel's monarchy being removed forever, it is quickly dissipated later in the same chapter of Jeremiah, in verses 20 to 21. Thus saith the Lord, If you can break my covenant of the day, and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites the priests my ministers. And again, some may argue that Christianity replaced Israel in God's purpose, but the prophets beg to differ. We read, Considerest thou not that this people have spoken, saying, The two families which God hath chosen, he hath even cast them off? Thus have they despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Well, rather, God reiterates his resolve on the matter, where he says, Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. And that's Jeremiah 33, verses 24 to 26. So it will be that the monarchy will be restored to Jerusalem, as the second psalm clearly establishes in verses 6 to 7. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So Jerusalem will be the capital, and the fallen down ruins of the palace of David will be rebuilt, as we read in Amos chapter 9 verses 11 to 12. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that he may possess the remnant of Eden, and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. So clearly the monarchy will be restored to the nation of Israel, to Judah, and to David's house in Jerusalem. This will surely put the cat amongst the pigeons at the United Nations and in the Council of Europe, but rage as they want, God will laugh at them. Now another headline that will soon be splashed across the world's screens is, 
Israel annexes the Sinai, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, Jordan, Iraq, and Syria. Now, never mind America moving its embassy to Jerusalem next month and the controversy that has sparked. Future territorial expansion is also part of Israel's destiny. This is what we just read in Amos. He is going to possess the remnant of Edom and of all the nations. Well, Edom existed in the area of modern-day Jordan. It was the Jordanians who used to control the West Bank. But never mind the West Bank, either. That is a given. Israel's growth will go far beyond that. The psalm continues in Psalm 2, verses 6 to 7, Ask of me, and I will give thee the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So you see, Israel's return to the land is a fulfillment of prophecy. It has happened just as the prophets under divine inspiration predicted. But there is more. This is all founded on the promises that were made to Abraham when the nation was established millennia ago. Now, God always keeps his promises, and this is what he said back then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, that pretty much takes in the area of Sinai, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, Jordan, the northern part of Saudi Arabia, half of Iraq, and Syria. So if you think the debate over Israel's annexation of the West Bank has been stormy, you haven't seen anything yet. But not to worry. That's just the immediate area to be conquered by Israel's monarchy. Another headline to be splashed across the world media will be, Israel establishes world empire. Well, the fact is, Israel's empire is eventually going to be worldwide. This is not something that is politically correct to talk about, but fortunately, by then, Israel will not be a democracy where it's up for debate, and where parliament will be paralyzed by different interest groups. Instead, as we have seen, it will be a theocracy ruled by God's Messiah. Once in place, it will assert its control over all the nations. Now, here is what the prophet Daniel describes when the kingdom of men falls and the kingdom of Israel is depicted as a little stone that breaks the pride of man and his empire spanning from the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar, the Medes and the Persians under Cyrus and Darius, the Greeks under Alexander the Great, and the Romans and their latter-day successors today. We read in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 to 35, Thou sawest till the little stone was cut without hands, and smote the image, representing man's kingdom, upon its feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken in pieces together, and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, what does Daniel mean by this? Well, he tells us in the interpretation of the dream given in chapter 2, verses 44 to 45. It's in the days of these kings that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever." For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that break in pieces the iron and the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So a world empire is going to begin in Jerusalem, and eventually envelop the entire planet. 
Now, this may seem far-fetched, but then so was the idea of the Jews, a people scattered and broken over thousands of years, returning to their land and rebuilding a nation. Well, another headline, which will be splashed over the media, is Dome of the Rock to be removed, Temple to be built in Jerusalem. Well, one of the promises that was intertwined with the everlasting monarchy was the fact that the temple would be built in Jerusalem. This was first promised to David in 2 Samuel 7, verse 13, where we read, He, that is the Messiah, shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, contrary to Palestinian assertions, Solomon built a house for God in Jerusalem, which archaeology clearly attests to. Although destroyed by the Babylonians, it was rebuilt during the time of the Jewish governors, Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, when Joshua was high priest, Ezra was the scribe, and the prophets Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi were active. It was later embellished by Herod the Great, but destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans led by Titus. Now, the Romans built a temple to Jupiter under the Emperor Hadrian around AD 130 on the site of the temple. Now, Jerusalem passed from pagan Roman hands to Christian Roman hands and was wrestled from them by the Muslims who built the Dome of the Rock in 691 AD during the Umayyad Caliphate. Now, this has remained there ever since. Well, the Russians are destined to remove it when they come in a crusade, which is destined for disaster, to reestablish Christian rule, which was mentioned earlier. Daniel chapter 11, verse 45. He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. So once the Russians and their hordes are destroyed, the third temple will be built and will form the center of world religion, replacing the Vatican for Catholicism or Mecca for the Muslims, as Isaiah describes in chapter 2 and verses 2 to 3. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Not only this, but the priesthood is going to be established by Messiah or should we say re-established. Now we read this in Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 to 4. Who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, and as in former years. So rather than being, though, a catalyst for world wars, this will bring about an end of wars and a time of peace that the earth has never witnessed before when Messiah asserts his rule over the nations and calms the raging ways of the sea. As we read in Isaiah 2 and verse 4, which continues, He shall judge amongst the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Well, Israel's 70th birthday has been something wonderful to celebrate, as it has been God's doing to regather his people and plant them in his land, multiply them, and make them prosperous once again, and restore Jerusalem. 
However, the next few decades will be the most exciting when God continues Israel's restoration, its deliverance from the threat of the nations, when God reestablishes the Davidic monarchy, when the Messiah, the son of David, rebuilds the temple as a center of world worship, and when God's kingdom covers the world, bringing in an era of real world peace. The time has come when God has turned his faith to favor Zion, and it is during this time that he will send Messiah. As we read in Psalm 102, verses 13 to 16, Thou shalt arise and have mercy on Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come, for thy servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Well, these are exciting times. During the past 70 years, we have witnessed the prophets who have written down the word of God in the scriptures proven to be true. Now we wait with great anticipation to see the completion of the rest of their story. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.